This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast following Everton's 3-2 defeat to Arsenal at the Emirates. I am James, joined per usual by Alex. Yo, what's up? And our special guest for the day, long time, one of our original guests, actually, and finally making a appearance again. We've got Forrest from the Carolina Toffees. Forrest, good to talk hey, to you again, man. Yeah, good to be back, man. I appreciate it. So we've we've just watched a very, very wild game. Um, it was back and forth the whole time, very open. There's a lot to discuss, but I think it's best to just sort of start at the beginning. 10.30 a.m., the lineup drops, and it's a little bit bizarre. There's a few interesting changes. We've got Gilfie Sigurdsson seemingly out on the left flank due to injuries. Uh, Theo Walcott was a late scratch. Luca Dean also a late scratch, and so Leighton Baines comes in. So let's start with Forrest. Forrest, when the lineup drops, sort of, what's your what's your initial take on Carlos' choices for the eleven? So I only got to look at it briefly. Uh, it was halftime of my Sunday league game, so uh, I just kind of glanced at it. But yeah, it, it was a bit weird. I, th- I think he kind of tried to go for a four-two-three-one, really try to shore up that midfield, um, and 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 just kind of hit Arsenal uh, through that. Uh, it, it was it was weird to see. I know he. Started a Wobi probably because it's his game back. He can be a little more motivated to play. Um, but it, it was interesting. Delphin Schneiderlin starting is always to me seems like a, a recipe for something, you know, difficult in the making as far as we go. I know, I know he wants to shore up that, uh, defensive midfield, having two holding midfielders, but I don't know. It, it, it was, it was weird. And I, like I said, I only looked at it briefly. Yeah. I mean, so, so we heard a little earlier than that on Twitter kind of rumblings that Dean had taken some sort of knock and that it wasn't too serious, but either way, Leighton Baines would be starting. Uh, Baines is not, I mean, he's not quick as he used to be, but he's also not too slow. And we know with his, you know, experience throughout the years being 35 now that, you know, he, he was probably going to be okay to plug in at left back as he did once before the season and looked good. I did not like Sigurdsson on the outside. Uh, I think he proved that correctly and, and had probably an awful game. I was interested, or it was interesting to see that Awobi started and even more interesting to see that he elected for Gilfie Sigurdsson out on the wide, out wide instead of Bernard, who's been in great form. It just feels like Bernard is starting. He'll score a goal. He'll bag an assist. And then the next match, he is back on the bench. So that was kind of confusing as well. Um, I think, I think Sadibe might have been the wrong choice, although he had a mind boggling number of tackles as well. You know, we talked about that, um, in the preview episode, James, about the possibility of Seamus Coleman coming in for his, defensive prowess and and physical presence and that sort of thing. Yeah, the Sidibe decision is the one that I think stands out maybe in hindsight as the wrong choice. The Sigurdsson one as well, but I, I think if you try to start Bernard and Awobi on either flank, you really do leave yourself um, pretty exposed defensively because neither of them um, are renowned for their defensive work rate, quite frankly. And, you know, Sidibe's not either. And though he did have five tackles, by and large, he looked fairly overwhelmed having to mark Yang for the entire match. And you saw that materialize with two goals for Yang, of course. 
So yeah, a weird lineup, but again, we're still not totally healthy. Um, and I think again, just the Bernard would have left us pretty exposed on the flank. He did, of course, eventually come in and look to create things, but just at face value, it's hard to fault Carlo Ancelotti because he hasn't really put too many feet wrong as far as adjustments and, and making lineup decisions. I did like Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate at the back as a partnership. And of course, Leighton Baines, though he's our backup, we know that he's rock solid. And so not a lot of concern there. And so the game kicks off and I was, I went to the, I went to a pub bar to watch the match with one of my friends from work who's an Arsenal fan. Kind of a mistake in hindsight, but, uh, so I get to the bar. The bar opens at 1130 right when the, the match kicks off. So I rush in as soon as they open, have the bartender turn it, turn the match on TV. And I see we're up one nil and I see a replay of Calvert Lewin's really nicely taken bicycle kick. Probably got a little bit lucky, uh, with that, with the angle and the way that he hit it, but it was a well taken goal. And we're up one nil and I'm thinking, this is great. We're up one nil and maybe we scored a little too early. And I guess as the game went on, that turned out to be the case. What was frustrating about it was the fact that pretty much immediately after that, Arsenal kind of gained control of the match, which we talked about it. We expected that to be the case because they have averaged uh, the majority of possession throughout their matches this season and they were at home. Uh, the four four two is not necessarily set up and, and, and the way that we operate is not necessarily meant to keep the ball at all costs like some other squads are, specifically Man City. And so it was frustrating to see that Arsenal kind of immediately took control of the match. Um, we saw the ridiculous bursts of pace right off the bat on all flanks and forward, um, and, and it resulted in essentially just one really, really well-taken opportunity in which I think it was uh, Saka. Oh, no, no, no. Saka came on, right? Saka yeah. subbed on, and it, it kind of just became a different match. And I want to say that he is the one that took the opportunity to cross the ball in for and Ketia to take quite a nice volley, but it was simply too easy for him to get on the end of it too. Yeah, it, I think that goal and the second one as well were, were because we were ball watching a bit. We weren't marking our men. Uh, the, the first one especially, I mean, he and, and Ketia just gets in between Mina and Holgate. Oh. Mina doesn't know he's there. He's there. Holgate expects uh, Mina to pick him up. And Sokka, you know, plays in a good ball. He, he, he's good with his left foot. He's not a natural left back. Um, he's kind of filling in there right now. And I mean, I, I would have rather had Kolasinic be playing because he is more defensive minded. He's not going to be getting forward like Zaka was. And again, yeah, defensively, we we had just a few mental lapses, especially in that first half where we just weren't, weren't at our best. Um, Sidibe, this whole season, he's kind of been at fault for getting caught out of position a lot. He likes to go forward. He likes to make those forward runs. And, and it's weird because when we initially signed him, I thought he was going to be a much more defensive minded player. And to see him come in and, and be somebody who's really trying to get forward kind of surprised me. And it's disappointing to uh, to see that happen, especially to an Arsenal side that I don't think were really at their best for most of the game. Um, and, and Calvert Lewin's goal was fantastic. It was, I mean, it was a great goal, just great improvisation, improvisation in the air, um, really acrobatic. Good, good to see him continue to score. Um, but defensively, yeah, just just a rough first half for us. Yeah, I, I like that Alex harped on the the Kolasinac substitution due to injury. I think I agree that Saka coming on really changed the game. We Mike midweek in our Arsenal preview mentioned how good Saka is and how much potential he has. Though he's not a natural left back, he did a really good job of finding those spaces out wide and his pace is a real problem. The pace of the entire Arsenal outside either flank uh, is really, really scary. And you saw in moments we would look like we were controlling the game moving forward and then Arsenal's ability to break is just really, really frightening. 
And it was a little concerning just to see the lack of discipline on defensive defense uh, positioning specifically. Yeri Mina at times was playing basically like in the final third, getting forward maybe a little bit too much. And you just have to be more disciplined when you have the explosive, the, the explosiveness of their entire front line. And Saka again gets the assist. Yeah, a little bit of ball watching on, frankly, all three of Arsenal's goals. They were all well taken and, you know, some good crosses resulting in goals for them. But at the same time, um, we just were not marking well in the box and leaving, leaving players wide open. So. Obviously, we go up first. We concede two to Aubameyang. And then right at the cusp of halftime, we have a little bit of a scramble in front of goal. Yeri Mina ends up with a nice little flick on. And is the goal officially given to Richarlison? They gave him that touch because I've seen the yes. replay like a half dozen times now. And it's a, maybe it's the wrong angle, but it doesn't look yeah. like he gets a touch on it. It's um, very but it goes, Yeah. And so it goes through Leno's arms into the back of the net, trickles in, and... We're level at halftime and perhaps undeservedly, but all to play for in the second half. So I think we probably all felt pretty good going into the half, right? Yeah, uh, I, I certainly thought we could kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck and win it. I was I was thinking, you know, I had vibes of, of Watford away and, and, and going in 2-2 at halftime, even though we played poorly in the first half. And that's one thing Ancelotti's really done for us. Well, two things, really. One one is the set plays, how dangerous we are on them now. I mean, I think, I think we've scored a good, maybe four or five goals already under him just from, from corners and set pieces alone. Um, he seems to really want to target Mina and either get him to head it on goal or, or flick it on because he's just so he's such a strong physical presence in the air. He's, he's almost getting on every every ball that he can that's going towards him. He's getting on the end of it. Um, but, but yeah, and then and then just, just the backbone that our squad seems to have now. Like we, we don't get sh- you know shook by going down a goal. We, we collect ourselves. Like even even considering twice, we still collect ourselves. We played decently enough at the end of that first half to, to get that win that uh set piece and get that second goal um and it kind of set us up well for the second half even though we kind of pooped the bed <laughs> coming in <laughs> yeah i mean i thought i thought things were looking promising in halftime right it was still very apparent that arsenal had control of the match for most of the first half uh both of our goals came off of set pieces which is good because we have not been scoring off of set pieces any sort of on a consistent basis for a couple of years now. It's bad because we essentially weren't creating any other chances in the first half other than those uh, couple cases. We were always on the back foot. You start the second half and, and we were feeling confident, you know, like NBCSN sp- uh, spans the camera to Calvert-Lewin, you know, and he looks excited, he looks happy. And you're like, all right, let's get into it second half. And within a minute, Aubameyang scores again for Arsenal to make it 3-2. And while it was very disappointing and it was very Everton-esque to kind of just allow it to happen that quickly within literally 60 seconds of, of kick out, kickoff on the second half, I'll say that I thought we kind of started to try to show a reaction. They were putting in the hard yards. And once we had the, the, the substitution of Bernard and specifically Andre Gomez, I really thought that the team was 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 pressing and really trying to play confidently and and push the ball forward and and, and really the, the Gomez substitution for me changed the game and it was really really exciting to see him back on the pitch after such a short period of time out based on you know the injury that we saw him sustain. Amazing to see Andre Gomez return to the fold and almost immediately he showed why we've missed him so much. Just Delphin Schneiderlin at times were hiding. Sigurdsson playing on the flank. Obviously, we've tried that experiment before under numerous managers. It just doesn't seem to work. But when Andre Gomez in there, 
his willingness to receive the ball deep, carry it forward, um, his confidence on the ball when he's taking on a man or shielding the ball and able to just sneak out and get loose and pick a pass. He was doing the simple things, but he was also looked very confident on the ball, which again, after the, the nature of the injury he suffered is so reassuring. And our Ancelotti has alluded to it in numerous pressers that he seems like he's ready to play. And I think we saw that demonstrated today and it only bodes well for the future playing those two Schneiderlin and Delph. Hopefully that we won't have to suffer through that too many more times through the rest of the year, assuming everyone can stay healthy. And though there are, we didn't get any points from it. I still think there's a lot of positives to take from this match. We really did command the second half. Arsenal were on the back foot for most of it. And the only time that they were really able to get forward was on the counterattack. And what was so bizarre is that, frankly, I thought that they were a little bit hesitant to break the way they maybe could have. There were times when they could have looped balls over the top to Aubameyang that they decided to maybe Oza would carry it forward instead, and then that run would go away. Um, the second half was obviously much improved bar the first minute. and so. It was frustrating to see us get so many chances and not really make anything come from any of them. Yeah, absolutely it was. Like, and to your point about Arsenal, uh, the the hesitation to counterattack. I think Arteta is really trying to get them play a certain to play a certain way. Even when it comes to counterattacking, I don't think he wants balls over the top. I mean, it, managers have their own philosophies. They always have a way they want to play, uh, and maybe sometimes to a fault. You, know, you think of like Martinez or Kuman, um, or even Silva. You know, just they they, they want to play a certain way, and if they're not playing that certain way, they get on the players about it. Um, but just just to allude to Gomez, man, like he really, really shows like just his strength on the ball, his ability to just bring it past two or three players and find that pass. I mean, he probably sprayed a pass out to Richarlison about three or four times, which is pinpoint accurate that set him on the break, set us on the break. And yeah, we missed a lot of chances. Like an- another day where we're winning that four three five three. Like Calvert Lewin, I can't believe he missed that point blank one. I really think he thought oh he was offside. God. I really thought he think he thought he was offside and he just hit the ball. And then he like turned and saw the lines with and have a flag up. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I, he could, cause he just needed to slide, just keep it on the ground and slide it past him. And he didn't do it. Um, you know, Richarlison had a few chances. I, again, Calvert Lewin had that header, you know, in the 88, 89th minute that just went past the post. I mean, another day and that's a different result. Um, but, but like you said, there's, there's so many positives to take from that in terms of the possession we had in that second half. I mean, Arsenal, they couldn't get the ball off us. They couldn't. And, and they were throwing midfielders. They threw Torreira on. They threw Guendouzi on just to try to stop us in midfield. And they couldn't. I mean, Gomez was like a one-man machine. And 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 to compare him to Schneiderlin and Delph, I mean, Schneiderlin and Delph have no ability to bring the ball forward. Schneiderlin, he's he's afraid to pass it forward more than two yards. Like, he really can't do it. Delph, I mean, he he at least tries. He, he's, he's got that mentality from playing at the same time. He doesn't have the ability. He just doesn't. And, and I mean, it's it's just amazing to see him walk in and and just be head and shoulders above any midfielder we have and, and see it. it's it's so disappointing because I think we all had a lot of hopes for him. I remember when he came in and he had that big picture of him, you know, as a kid in the Everton's Hop at Finch Farm at the training ground, and you're thinking, wow, like he's gonna come in and be, you know, a star for us. And he has he's had two seasons, he scored some goals, but he's just so inconsistent. He can't, and this, especially this season, he's just really fallen off. He can't find that pass. He can't, he can't make any right decisions. He's so hesitant on the ball. And it, it's disappointing, especially with the amount of money we spent for him. And we're just not going to be able to shift him. He's on some crazy wages too. And we'd be lucky to get rid of him before his contract ends. Well, you see, uh, under Ancelotti's current preferred system since he's joined Everton, there's really not a good position that fit, fits Gilfie Sigurdsson's profile, right? 
And, and even when he's been in, in his preferred attacking midfield position, kind of through the lines throughout the season, you know, under Marco Silva, for example, he looked pretty awful. So I, I think that, I think the reason why we really struggled in the first half to retain possession is just the lack of athleticism on the left hand side with Gilfie Sigurdsson. We didn't have the pace or the agility to kind of push the ball forward and overload the spaces like we would have. But in terms of Andre Gomez being a one-man band, I think this cues up very nicely, James, for us to see him in his first start back at Goodison Park next week. So that's something to look forward to because we shall be part of that standing ovation. Yeah, I cannot wait. He's going to get a tremendous reception at home. It's going to be amazing. And I think the crowd will be absolutely ready to see him put in a full shift for 90 minutes, assuming he, or at least, you know, for first 60 minutes. I still think we don't want to push him too much, despite the fact that we desperately, desperately need him in the side week in, week out. It's you got to kind of play the long game with something like this and not not re-aggravate anything or, or have any kind of setbacks. But to your points about Gilfrey Sigurdsson, I agree, Alex. I think you hit the nail on the head. In this current system with a flat four in midfield, he doesn't really fit neatly into any one position. His defensive work rate, again, we talk about his work rate all the time. His work rate is outstanding, but his defensive awareness and discipline is really poor a lot of the time. And when you put him out on the flank, he gets completely exposed because he doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the awareness or the positioning to be able to get in the right areas to make an impact on the match. And furthermore, you know, the the thing with Gilfie was he'd have a horrible game and then he'd pop up out of nowhere with a just golasso out of seemingly nothing. And those goals have completely dried up. I saw um, there was a graphic on during the broadcast that said, you know, he had 13 goals last season, six assists. He's got like one goal and, no, or you know, it's just completely dried up. All of his pr- production, even the times when he would have a bad game, he seemed to offer something in individual moments. And now he's just offering basically nothing as, as painful as it is to say. He can still, you know, put in a set piece just fine, but we've got that capability in other positions. Baines was taking most of them today. When Dean's fit, he can take them. So it's really hard to see how he fits into the system long-term. And I'd imagine he's a player that we're going to look to offload. But as Forrest mentioned, it's going to be extremely difficult given the wages he's on and his age. Yeah, we've got a few of those players, man. I'd say Schneiderlin's probably up there. Um, you know, that, that's that's maybe a, a, you know, a more dubious opinion. I, I don't think he's good enough. I, and it stinks to say, um, I, I just don't, you know, you, you saw him put in a shift against Palace. And he played very well, won the ball over the pitch, but I mean, he's one in five like that. He'll, he'll play well against these teams at home. And if you want him in as an option for that, fine. We don't have to spend the money on somebody else. But I, Delph is, is the hard one, man. It's, he's versatile. He can play multiple positions, but he's probably on some, some Buku wages and he's just not showing enough to really. It's it's just disappointing, and, and, and his lack of kind of professionalism on the pitch. I know a few weeks ago he had that whole spat with Mason Holgate. Um, you know, there's been times the cameras caught him like after we've conceded, saying everybody's awful. You know, that there's a different word he used. I'm not going to use it now. Uh, Sigurdsson, he's on massive wages. He'll be hard to get rid of. Walcott, I mean, if we want to get rid of him, I, I think he's still a decent enough option. Um, okay, so let's I, pause right there. Let's pause yeah. right there. So this is a conversation I was going to bring up, but you yeah. kind of. Did it for me there. Walcott, you said mm-hmm. you wanted to sell him. I want to talk about this seriously, so please don't laugh when I say this. Good. I actually think we really missed Theo Walcott today. Why is that? I know that sounds wild, and there are p- people probably scoffing right now. But here's why I say that. Because we know over the last couple of years, we haven't had the best options on the right-hand side. 
Theo Walcott always edged them, right? Like Adam Luckman, that was a big argument, right? Theo Walcott was starting every match. Adam Luckman couldn't get even 15 minutes on the pitch. Whether you blame the manager or not, we know the reason why Marco Silva came out and said that Luckman's work rate, defensive work rate, wasn't good enough, right? We see Theo Walcott, and he is constantly tracking back. In my opinion, he actually does a really, really good job of this. And so when we play Alex Iwobi for the first time back, on the opposite side of the pitch in which he is most comfortable, right? Because he likes to cut in, and yet he's right-footed. Uh, and then we have Sidibe, who we know is not good positioning himself defensively. We watched Arsenal very consciously focus on Everton's right-hand side, in other words, attacking on the left. And they took advantage of Sidibe over and over and over. And I think that we really missed Walcott's defensive um, work rate, his defensive positioning, and the amount of help that he offered Sidibe. Because when I think back to all of those instances, all of those balls to that side of the pitch, I can't remember any time in which I saw Awobi shoulder to shoulder with Sidibe on the touchline defending, you know, a player on the wing, for example. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll be straight up with you. I actually agree with you about Walcott. I, I think for what we have option-wise on the right, I think we should keep him. I think the main thing with Walcott, though, he's very wasteful. He, there's, I'd say every game, he probably has one or two chances where he's sprinting upfield with just one defender and somebody else in the middle. And he just is very wasteful with that chance, that opportunity. And he's been like that his whole career. I mean, it's, it stinks because he's a player who's blessed with a lot of pace, um, and, and a good touch, but his decision making is really rough. I mean, it's, it stinks to say that. Um, Bernard is another one I wanted to touch on, not in terms of selling, but like, I understand, I also don't understand why he isn't starting more matches. I understand he's not the biggest player. He's not very strong. Defensively, he might be a bit of a liability, but we've seen him track back pretty often. We've seen him do the work defensively pretty often. And when he came on with Gomez, it was it was a big difference. He's just so fluid on the ball. He'll find somebody. He'll get that perfect touch. He'll keep the ball moving. And and he's an option. Again, I would love to see play in that 10 role instead of Sigurdsson. Maybe he's just not big enough. Maybe he's not got the shooting boots to be able to do that because he, he doesn't score very often. Um, but he's just he can pick a pass out of anywhere. And he's so good with the ball at his feet. I I would love to see him. And, and Wobi as well. I think Wobi is one of those players who who could play in that 10 position, get that opportunity. I don't think Sigurdsson has done anything. And I, I harp on him a lot, but it's it's week in, week out, he starts, and he just offers nothing. And I understand. Yeah, go ahead. And not only does he start week in, week out, but it's like he seems on the eye test to most fans to be the player that maybe should be. I thought we should have subbed him off early on in the second half. And Ancelotti makes the decision to take off a Wobi instead of Sigurdsson to bring on Bernard. And I, I was a little dumbfounded by that just because it seemed much more intuitive to bring on the winger off for the player that you have playing out of position on the flank. Um, not, I'd be interested to hear Ancelotti's thoughts on that and the justification for it. But I agree. As soon as he came on, the substitutions again made an impact. So credit to Ancelotti for that, continuing to make smart tactical substitutions that put us in a better position to win the match. And like you alluded to earlier, Forrest, this could have very easily been a 5-3 game. There were goals in this the entire time. We were not able to capitalize on that, but regardless, it's encouraging to see us create the number of chances. Look, this Arsenal team is not that good. Flat out, they've got a lot of they've got a long rebuild ahead of them realistically, but they have some really good young players and they've got some pace and they they can create things. Um I really was I I liked I like Mikel Arteta a lot. I would have been happy to see him at Everton. 
just the shots of him uh, on camera, the energy he brings to the sideline when he's talking to players. Um, you know, I think he'll get them headed in the right direction, but I also am very happy that we have Ancelotti in the dugout. And I think he's continued to show how much better he is than Marco Silva, though you could say the same for probably like a number of rocks or random inanimate objects probably could have been better than Silva. But regardless, you know, this was a game we could have won. We didn't. So be it. We've got to look forward to the next matches and continue to a lot of six point games, so to speak, in our near future. And we can't drop our heads. This was a performance where I think we did ourselves justice, but the end result just doesn't reflect the the quality of the match that we that we played as a team. Very well said, James. So with that, look out for our episode on Tuesday evening. So we fly out on Wednesday evening. Well, I've got to take I've got to drive up to D.C. and I'm sure James has to take his trip over to Boston. But we're going out on Wednesday overseas. So we'll upload some sort of short episode on Tuesday. And I think we'll talk at least a little bit about the type of content you can see for about the two weeks that we're overseas for the first time. Uh, So look out for that. Forrest, thank you so much for joining us to recap uh, what ultimately was somewhat of a disappointing loss, but some positive from the match nonetheless. Yeah, I, I always appreciate y'all having me on. I'm sorry it's been so long. It's, you know, life just gets in the way sometimes, but um, I'd, I'd love to be here more often. I really do love talking with y'all and, and you've got a good thing going here, man. I, I'd love to see people respond to what you have going on. I'd love to see energy you generate with American fans and, and I want to see you do well and continue to do well. Hey, man, really, really, really appreciate that. That's that's what it's all about, isn't it, James? Absolutely. 100%. All righty. So see you all on Tuesday and up the toffees. Everton, Everton, Everton. <laughs>Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.